Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hayes' Higher Learning. I'm your host, Ashley Hayes, and I am so excited. Today, I have invited a special guest, Rashid Copeland from Washington, D.C., to have a conversation with me about toxic masculinity and how we can collectively from a culture of toxic masculinity to divine masculinity. And so we're going to talk about safety and protection and love in the midst of revolution. And so I want to introduce Rashid to you. Rashid Copeland is a native of Washington, D.C. He is the author of The Book of Silence, Manhood as a Pseudoscience by Sergeant Press 2015, and is a multiple recipient of the D.C. Commission of the Arts and Humanities Fellowship Award. Rashid, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Yes. So talk to me a little bit. So I was first introduced to you at the 2015 Individual World Poetry Slam. I had no idea who you were prior. And that would happen in D.C. And I remember you took the number two spot and I was completely blown away by you. What have you been up to since then? And what work means the most to you in this midst of revolution and collective reform? Um, so I've just been up to a lot of writing, um, a bit of publishing here and there, like in certain journals. Um, fatherhood, of course, is just always, um, constant. Um, so that, um, I think the work that is most important to me, I guess, at this moment, um, is the work on self. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that a lot of us, um, I think the change starts internally and until we can individually change ourselves, we won't be able to, I guess, affect the sort of change that we need um, outwardly. Um, so mm -hmm. that's what I'm working on most. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. And, and that's some of the toughest work to do. Right. I recently um, I connected with you on Twitter and I've seen you do some heavy lifting in regards to educating men specifically on emotional intelligence and how to protect black women. I got a chance to catch your Instagram live town hall meeting, which I thought was amazing. What motivated you? What or what motivates you to do that work? Why is it important to you? Um, just. It's a very personal um work um and the way i could describe it is um i guess like i said trying to affect myself so that i in turn vibrate out to others mm -hmm. um i just know for me personally when i think about um the ways in which i have been told to perform masculinity um the ways in which i've existed as a black cishet man um in america um i've been failed in a lot of ways um and so like a while back um I saw a lot of those failings affecting the women that I was in community with. Um, and most outright were calling me on it. And I really mm -hmm. just had to sit with myself, um, you know, because there were things that like I knew that I didn't even feel comfortable doing and performing um, in these ways. Um, but I just felt there was this invisible force that kind of, you know, there were rules that I had to abide by. Um, and so I just, it just came about me just deciding that I didn't want to continue to, I guess, to, I guess, inflict harm on myself um, first um, and on others. Um, and so from then, it just really spiraled into just me educating myself, me doing a lot of listening um, mm -hmm. and just being in community with people who weren't afraid to tell the truth um, to me, about me. Mm -hmm. And being accountable to that truth. Right. 
Definitely, because that's the biggest part. People can tell you the truth all day, but if you don't believe it, and if you're very much like, oh, no, I don't have any issues, I'm good, you know, like, mm-hmm. I know I cry and all that, um, then you'll get nowhere. Absolutely. And what que- what changes do you think that Black men need to prioritize in order to make this shift from toxic masculinity, which to me subjugates women and uses violence to obtain power, to what I like to call divine masculinity, which is where men respect, protect, and elevate the women who are in their communities? What what changes do we need to implement first? Um, again, we just have to, I think we have to have a very clear um, understanding of what we are up against. Um, I think we fight um, a lot of the evils that we feel we are fighting, um, I think, are more symptomatic um, versus the actual root of our issues. Um, mm-hmm. And so because of that, I think we're, we're oftentimes just punching the air um, versus really getting to the root of our issues. Um, so I think that's the biggest change. Um, for me, um, I, I heard you say, um, use the term like teaching um, and inform Black men. I like to think of it um, more along the lines of we're all just learning out loud. Um, mm. Just because even though I'm in a better space, I would say, than certain guys, um, I do recognize that um, this sort of change, um, just any sort of change where we are trying to dismantle um, just whiteness, um, because it all really stems from there um, and the many branches of it. Um, when we're dismantling that, um, it's a constant state of arrival. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's one thing that I think that we as men, um, we need to recognize that like there is no there is no finish line for this. There's no, oh, I got here. Now I know how to respect women. I know how to be a better man. Um, it's a constant test. Um, every situation is going to sharpen you it's going to test whether or not you are you know living what it is you're saying and sometimes you will fail sometimes you'll backlap you know like you'll backtrack um but just knowing that um that you have to keep going that there's no end in sight um you will continue to um and hopefully that will affect um and for lack of a better term give other men permission um because we need that sometimes a lot of men don't mm. like to agree with that but we we do look at other men um, for permission. Um, and when, you know, it's hard when everyone else around is not quite um, on the same wavelength as you, it does get to a point where you're like, well, am I doing this for the reasons? It doesn't seem like it's benefiting me in any way. Um, and so it's good, I think, that the more of us do it, um, the more of us, like, really get to the root of, like, yo, whiteness is our enemy. Um, that's what it is. It's not our women. Um, it, it's whiteness and how it has um, infected us um, and in turn animated itself through us and made us agents of it. Mm. Mm. I think that there's something there. And I remember actually reading in Bell Hooks and All About Love, she said that a, a biggest, one of our biggest barriers to the revolution is that um, men care what other, what other men think. Right. And it's, yeah, it's, it's the biggest one. Cause again, it's, we all, um, and, you know, for the sake of conversation, we're definitely talking about um, men, but men don't own, you know, like, it, we don't, we might have the patent to, I guess, toxic masculinity and patriarchy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's, it, everybody's affected by it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so even that is, man, we have to recognize that, like, even when we are getting critiqued, it's not a critique on us. Um, 
we have to, we don't, we cannot be so inextricably linked to patriarchy that when somebody challenges mm. misogyny or challenges patriarchy or sexism, that we automatically think it's a, a dig at us. Um, why is it that somebody challenges something inherently negative? Why do we take that personal? Um, and so, yeah, like, I think we all, we, we look so much because everybody's holding up their part of this kind of cult of masculinity where it's like, oh, you know, is he doing it? Is we, are we doing it? And when we don't, you know, like we want to be in community. And that's one of the yeah, things I yeah. can say. Um, for me, um, trying to live in the way that I live, it, it gets a little lonelier um, because you do recognize that, for one, some people will not be converted. Some people will not. You won't change their minds. We have to be okay with that. Um, but in turn, that means that a lot of people, you have to just distance yourself from. You have to kind of, um, you won't be able to participate in some of the misogynistic um, just exploits in which you really built a lot of your identity on. Um, and you built mm-hmm. a lot of your friendships and relationships that forged in this hatred for women, um, specifically Black women. Um, you know, we bond as Black men. It's you see it everywhere. We bond over the hatred of black women in a way that is For just sure. insidious. Like it just makes no sense. Um, that that is our point of camaraderie. You know, the subjugation of a black yeah. woman, like where we connect. Like you know, at all else, I always um, I drive now, but I used to always catch the Uber, um, and it never failed. Like when I had like a black guy Uber, um, the one talking point that there will always be would be. The subjugation of women, Why, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and I'm a, I'm a, yo, please don't say anything to me while I'm in this Uber, like, <laughs> I'm in this, like, type of guy. Uh-huh. But it never mind. It's like they look in that rear view mirror, like, hey, uh, you hate women, like, and they be like, yo, no, it's not. Like, we don't have to bond over this, bro. Like, that's right. weird because we know it as such a default. Like, it all else fails. If I don't know anything about this man. Um, if I don't have anything, you know, so long as he is quote unquote heterosexual, chances are I can bond with him over, you know, kind of taking digs at women, kind of, yes, you know, exactly. being, um, this boys club sort of idea. Um, and so we have to, that's the biggest part. We have to stop caring about what other men think. Like, it's just really that simple. Like we have to get to a point where we are just like, yo. I don't care what this looks like to you. I'm going to stand up and do what I know to be right. Um, because deep down, I think if we all search of heart, like it's miserable trying to, it's miserable. Like this is all you can do. Like it, it's misery really. Yeah. 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 And thank you for saying that. It, it's, um, you know, I think it's very insightful and thoughtful. And I wonder, Rasheed, what are the most valuable lessons that you've learned or that you've learned from women along this journey? Oh, gosh. Um, everything I've learned from this journey, I would posit, um, has come from Black women, um, without a doubt. Like, and I say that not even in a, like, in the sense of hyperbole, like, that's just the truth. Um, because, again, Black women um, have an investment in unlearning this stuff. Um, because again, like I say, everybody has it in us. You know, we all animate it differently. We all benefited from it differently, but every, we all have it in us. But those who are on the receiving end of the harm that comes from it, of course, they have more of an investment to unlearn it. Um, and in turn, teach mm-hmm. those who are harming to unlearn it. So that it's like, hey, you know, like, let's, you know, de-weaponize, you know, like, you know, 
person, you know, like who you are. Um, so I, just everything. Um, learning um, what the ideas surrounding gaslighting um, has been big for me um, mm. because we don't, just as people and especially men, um, we don't believe that two realities can be true at the same time. Mm. Um, so even if we're in front of a woman and we see something go down that, you know, she feels a way about, we're looking at it through the lens of maleness and masculinity yeah. um, and all these sorts of things that like, we just won't be able to see it that way. You know, yeah. it's like when dudes are catcalling women and she's clearly disrespected. And our first thought is, well, that's a compliment. Like, you know, like we thinking, yeah. <laughs> yeah, experience. It is, yeah. It's weird that way. Like, you know, like they're literally telling you, no, that's not a compliment to me. And then we're like, well, you know, I beg the differ. You know, like I know you've <laughs> Actually, lived with yourself for a long time. You know, I know you, you know, you are a woman. You, it's your life. However, um, I'm going to beg the differ. Like there's no way you feel harmed by me saying what I said. Like, and it's just recognizing that like, yo, we have to take what women are saying at face value. Um, and like I always say, the parallels to whiteness are just so uncanny. So I always try to stick with those, even though a lot of dudes, they don't like the idea of being compared to white men. Um, but like no. ultimately... <laughs> no, not at all. That's, right. But ultimately, that's what it is. And not even um, white men, so to speak, but it's like we are perpetrators of whiteness, of white supremacy. Of white supremacy, of white supremacy white for sure. Absolutely. Right. Like we are the ones who carry it. We are the ones, you know, and in turn, when we're animating it and we're, you know, performing it we look like it you know the same way an actor who denzel looks like you know wow. a crooked cop in training day because he's performing as a crooked cop so if you're performing as a white guy you know like and trying to reap these benefits that you'll never reap you're going to appear that way to people um and so yeah like i you know we the what it's there um you know like in all of the ways in which we um you know, like interact with people. Um, it's there, and the privilege of just being blinded to so many people's lives because it doesn't because it doesn't affect you. Them. Right, exactly. We don't have any skin in the game. I always say, like, they don't affect you the same way. Um, and so you're just like, well, that can't be the truth because I've never been catcalled. I've never been, you know, like I've never had somebody comment on my legs and a skirt. Right. Like, Nobody's approaching <laughs> me on my way to my car, you know? <laughs> right. You know, like, right. I've never been, um, you know, like just disrespected as a woman. It's like, you're not a woman. And that's why you've never been, you know, disrespected in that way. Um, but yeah, the gaslighting piece was, um, it was major for me um, out of everything. I mean, all of it is, but like, that was a major point. Um, where it just made me realize, because I always just say, it's not the world. I would always, you know, argue with women, ex-girlfriends, everybody. I'm like, yo, it's the way you're taking it. It's the, right. way, you're it. it's the way you're perceiving it. And they're like, no, like, that's not like how it goes. Um, and so I had to really unlearn that. They're like, yo, no, it's not the way we're perceiving it. Um, it's going to be perceived differently by different people because we all function from different vantage points. You know, when you're low on the totem pole, it's going to look a little, the certain things coming down at you might be a little more harmful versus you're high, you know, when you're higher on that totem pole. Right. Right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you're saying a word right now, Rashid. And I'm so glad um, 
I'm so glad you're doing the work and it's so good to hear what books and resources have been valuable to your education, especially about like emotional intelligence and then reimagining your masculinity. Um, a lot. I will start um, by just saying following the right people on Twitter um, has been monumental for me because um, there is, I know there's this idea, you know, men, we always like, oh, teach me black woman, teach me black woman. <laughs> um, for free, black woman. <laughs> for free. I, right, <laughs> for the part. free, always. <laughs> and I am definitely of the idea that like, you know, I had to learn like, yo, it is not on any black woman to teach us and put that labor. And however, I will posit that all day, every day, no matter where you go, black women are teaching. It just really requires us to listen, not even ask questions. You know, when we got questions, we can ask sometimes, but again, don't expect an answer. You have questions, mm-hmm. that's when you start looking it up. You you know, a black woman tweets something mm-hmm. about this, that, third, and she uses the word like misogyno. Don't bother her to act, try to explain What do you mean it. by that? <laughs> right. You can look that up. It's definitely that simple. Quick, open up a tab, put it on your phone. Like, you can do that. Like, I think that's, it's a Doing weird your own way. Work. Doing your right. Because it's a way in which black men weaponize um being complacent. It's a, like it's it's this red mm-hmm. herring that we always use, like, well, y'all not willing to teach us, y'all say we want it, like y'all say y'all want it to change, but y'all not willing to teach us when the fact is, you know, black women are the master course. They've been teaching, been telling us, yo, I don't like it when you do this that way. I don't like the way you speak to me this way, I don't like the way you treat me this. Um, you were a little biased in this way. You were this way. And we, again, because we don't feel, because our perceptions of that is different, we refuse to learn from that person. You know, it's always, that's a proactive learning to me, just listening in general, where the Black woman is not talking to you, but she's talking about some incident she might have had with her husband or some guy at work or boss or whatever. And she's telling you clearly how this affected me. Um, you can listen and learn from that. Um without having to get to the, you know, that whole devil's advocate thing that a lot of us do as men. Um, mm-hmm. which is, what is this? Or what is this? Like changing the reality of what's happening so far where it's like, look, what are we even talking about? <laughs> like, What are these right. hypotheticals we're going through right now? I'm saying that this X is happening um, and I'm tired of it happening. Um, so that's been a big resource. Just, you know, just sitting at the feet of black women and just listening um, not asking no questions, um, taking notes, you know, like if it's something I understand, you know, going to write it down, jot it down. Um, and then even from that, you know, that's been where I've gotten a lot of other resources, um, you know, where I, you know, like learned the bell hooks, um, you know, learned of like Michelle Wallace and Audrey Lord and June Jordan, like all of these other black women, feminists, and, you know, just listening, you like literally, you know, like just, Black women just dropping game. And then, you know, you go to your bookstore. You go look up this book, look up this resource. You read this article that they wrote and you read. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I always um, like to put a caveat on reading. We know that some people are illiterate. Some people are illiterate. That's just not the way they will learn. But there's all sorts of ways you can get this information, um, even if you are not visually like just reading. Um so yeah, like the books, um, for sure. Um, I was talking about on when we we recently did the IG um, the IG live, um, just discussing the will to change by um, 
Bill Hooks. And at the end of it, you know, numbers kind of dwindling down, but I just made a point to say, like, that not only should we be listening to the, you know, like the written work where Bill Hook is clearly making a pointed attempt to speak about how um, patriarchy is, you know, affecting us, how, <laughs> you know, like, those are important as well. But also, um, just going kind of harkening back to what I was just saying, like, reading the books written by women that are not necessarily about the struggle of being a woman, but like the life, you know, like just in general, I think mm-hmm. helped me because it, it helps me in a way that takes um, my gaze away from women of being these very, um, yes, um, that are mm-hmm. contingent upon what I want from them, what I need from them and recognize mm-hmm. that they have whole lives. They don't, disappear when I blink. They don't, you know, just stop existing when I sleep. Like they are mm. people unto themselves. Um and you know, the same way Toni Morrison is writing in this book about these characters who do not know me, don't care about me, don't, you know, like have nothing to offer me. All women are that way. Like, you know, like they exist outside of what they can offer us. Um, so even just reading that, reading the literature um, and just learning about women in general, um, I think goes a long way um, because it does undo this idea that, OK, women can only serve me in this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the moment we get that kind of scheme to set in my head, our heads, that this is what women is, this is what black women especially, they can only serve me in this way, this way, that way. The moment black women show up in the many multitudes that they show up in, then we got to do all this work to kind of fight against what we knew, you know, like, because now we're offended that somebody showed up in a way that wasn't how we had kind of set up in our mind for them. Uh, we had this and box. And perceive prepared. it as threatening. Right. Exactly. We had this box prepared for them. They showed up, you know, black women literally in the vastness of, you know, like EJ, like got everything in them. So they're going to show up differently. And like the first thing we did, like I said, Oh, Somehow I'm offended by this. Like, how are you offended by somebody else showing up? <laughs> right. How dare you? <laughs> right. And then we we ready to attack. Um, and I think just knowledge of people in general, you know, and women in general, can help combat that. Like, that, yo, you might get a woman who is funnier than you, smarter than you, just smart in general. But, like, and that's these are things you should be threatened by. Um, might be stronger than you. Um, might have more game than you. Like, you know, like, might be more heartless than you. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. these sorts of things that reject all the ideas that we have about femininity and womanhood. Um, you know, we have to just hold space for that, I think. And the way we hold space for that is by reading and reading women, learning about women um in ways that are not um centered or I guess fixed in the male gaze, fixed yeah. through the male gaze, so to speak. yeah 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 but i think um i think that is so on point is there any particular um moment or passage or part of the will to change by bell hooks that really speaks to you or that you found to be your favorite uh yeah so this is like a two-part answer i can't even uh i'm gonna try to find the one part the other part i underline but i got so much stuff underlined in this book that i Habit, but there was um, a point because again, um, I guess before I get into it, 
you know, we as black men, I think a lot of us, the aversion to changing and doing that sort of thing, because sometimes it can be framed as we are only doing this for women so that women can be equal, so that mm-hmm. women can feel better when in actuality we're doing it so that we can be free. That's mm-hmm. the first thing. Most. And I always try to tell, you know, the homies like, yo, dude, if you need like, you know, we're all self-serving in general, you know, like mm-hmm. self-preservation key to life, you know, do it for yourself first. That's the only way it'll ever stick is you do it for yourself and recognize that you've been failed by patriarchy, not in the same ways, but you've been failed in a lot of ways. And in turn, because you've been failed, um, you failed a lot of people. Um, and so I, I like this book because it kind of points at that, like, yo. Let's focus on the men, not how, you know, like it does focus on how what we go through affects the women, but it's really focused on y'all. How can we, you know, save ourselves? So there's a part where it's talking about, you know, when we're little as young boys or whatever, like the first betrayal for the sake of upholding patriarchy, the first betrayal is not necessarily us betraying a woman or a young girl. It's us betraying ourselves, Uh, cutting off our ties to what we when we were once pure, when we once weren't bogged down by the ideas of uh, just dominance mm-hmm. and, you know, like funneling all of our identity into just these very sexual, dominant, violent modes of being. Um, so there's that part. And then there's the part um, in chapter seven um, that talks about feminist manhood. Uh, my homie Jeremy, um, he has a podcast called um, Let's Talk, bro. Wonderful podcast for any black man trying to. You know, I like that podcast. Yeah, um, So he was on the um, he he was on the IG live, and he was talking about the um, the chapter and um, fem- uh, chapter seven, where it was just talking about um, feminist manhood. Um, and it reminded me of like you were saying, but like the divine masculinity. I think it's um, in a similar vein as that. Um, but it was saying that um, it was something about a presupposing. I'm trying to read it exactly. Oh, here it is. It says feminist masculinity presupposes that it is enough for males to to be to have value, that they do not have to do to perform, mm-hmm. to affirmed or loved, rather than defining strength as power over feminist masculinity, defines strength as one's capacity to be responsible for self and others. Um, and that it hit me because it all it reminds me of. How Bell Hooks always had the long sentence where she's like imperialist, white supremacist, capitalist patriarchy. Mm-hmm. All, like to me, it just hits on that where we have to realize that, like, yo, the way we even exist as men um, is capitalistic in nature, just because we have to produce in order to be valued. We have to be this sort of way. Um, there's a contingency upon which we're able to be loved when we decide that, oh, I'm going to be this provider, protector, gatherer conqueror you know like and i know that, right like, yes I yes, yes. Twitter, i was saying this on twitter that a lot of people who were positive like well no men are always no matter what men are forgiven men are loved um men are you know done unconditionally i would posit that the condition that we are loved under is the fact that we are men um, mm-hmm. that's all mm-hmm. the lying condition you know um but like as i've seen in my own life the moments we decide to abandon what makes us quote unquote men you know, that 
love does dwindle a little bit, you know, like um, from both sides. Mm -hmm. That's accurate. Yeah, it does. You know, when we don't present ourselves in ways that are, you know, quote unquote, masculine or hypermasculine. Exactly. And that's what it is. And that's trying to tell them, like, don't you can't be mad at a woman because, you know, the nice guy sent his last all that nonsense. Like we we will lean on that. Well, you know, women, they want it. They say they want this. I'm like, well, look, you can't blame them because they're under the same sky we're under. We're all socialized in the same way. Um, you know, so be mad at the system itself. Don't be mad at the perpetrators of it. Um, be mad at the system in and of itself. Um, in the same way I would tell men, don't be mad at yourself, you know? Be mad at the system that's, like, literally using you, bro. Like, <laughs> using you well. Like, you you ain't got no control over it. It's, you just letting it use you. Like, devil working it. For sure. Like, exactly. You become a pawn of the system, for sure. Right. And so, like, that's what I, I appreciate that because it does give me hope um, that I can continue forth and just be loved, not for anything that is connected to my gender performance. Um, yes, 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 yes. You know, and that's a very internal thing because we know the world is falling down around. And there's so many people, for every person like you and I who are on this podcast, chopping up, trying to do the right thing, there are a manifold of people who are just not they're never going to get it they're not going to want to and these are the people you interact with these are the people mm-hmm. who are you know like that you're that when you affirm yourself and who and how you're going to be these people are very much going to test it when you're juxtaposed against them like yeah they're going to test it you your family members who will never get it you know your older homies you're like who they're always going to be constantly bumping against what you say you believe um but when you have rooted yourself, I think, in this very unconditional where you love yourself no matter what. Mm-hmm, I think that's sure. what I got from that. It's like, you know, if I'm going to take on, quote, unquote, the feminist manhood or, you know, like, by masculinity, so to speak, I have to make it enough for myself before I even take it out to anybody else. They're like, yo, no matter how I show up in this world, um, yes, I identify as man, as male, but no matter what, None of that matters. I'm going to love myself. Even if I don't look like a man this day, even if I don't act like, quote, unquote, a man that day and do it, I love myself. Whether I'm wearing something that looks feminine, well, I love myself. So that when everybody else around inevitably tests that, I'll know. Like, you know, yeah, your love might be contingent upon me doing this, but I know that I'm a person, I'm a being outside of this. And because of that, I'm going to extend that same grace to any and everybody else. Yep, yep. When we choose ourselves first and we honor ourselves first, then everything else takes shape after that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And and Rashid, one of the pieces that I first heard you do, and it still moves me, is this piece you did called My Man's in Them, which is a conversation yeah. about, you know, those toxic homies. Um, I would be honored if you would share it with my audience. Yes, um, of course. Um Funny thing, like you say, we met at, um, I guess, iWeb, so to speak, um, and I did that poem on Final State. That poem was not even planned to be in any of the competition. Um, Yeah. He was um, doing a lot of it. Um, And so he was just asking me about it because he couldn't really say much because he was like one of the facilitators of the event that year. So he kind of had to be biased, even though he's technically our D.C rap you know like coach yeah he could. i went crazy you know? though i went crazy 
Yeah, like, and so he just, he was, because people in D.C. had heard it for, like, at least a year. And he was just like, well, what about that? And in my mind, I'm just like, well, this ain't really a quote-unquote, you know, anybody knows slam, quote-unquote. To me, it didn't seem like that poem that you performed. Like, it was just something that I wrote because, like, I think about, you know, my homies. Like, think about all that what we talked about. Wow. You know, it might not sound as intellectual as we might have just made it sound. But, you know, like, I'm from around the way. Like, you know, we talk to homies and we go through these sorts of things, even if we can't articulate all of the emotions in our body, so to speak. Um, so I was just like, yo, I was just writing it for that. And he was like, yo, you might want to, you know, hey, if you know, hey, if you get in the jam, sure enough, I did. And it just, since then, um, everybody seems to love that poem. Um, crazy. And I love it my too. face. <laughs> yeah, like, I love it, too. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad that I did. Shout out to Paige for, like, giving me that nut. It's like, no, I consider it, man. Like, people get used on here. All right, so I'm going to turn this one and I will start. Okay, let's see. I should. No, I haven't performed in a while. Um, but I performed this poem so much, I should. I mess up. Um, <clears throat> you got to go in, poet. <laughs> <laughs> My man's in them. It's beautiful. But will hurt you. If you call them, treat them as such. Their God, present industrial and Oedipus complex. Got girlfriends for fathers. Will not kiss them in public, but will leave hickeys on the neck of a bottle of Hennessy mm-hmm. until the burn feels like a love in their chest. My mans in them don't do well with affection. Swear they ain't emotional. My mans in them don't know that anger is an emotion that rules them into loving with their fist. Left hooks make hay out of their toddler's chest. Turns their sons into brick walls just like them. But my mans in them will die for their daughters. Just won't live for their daughters' mothers. Closest thing they get to an I love you is a monthly deposit or a bouquet full of knuckles. My mans in them stay not loving these hoes. But my mans in them is hoes. So they stay not loving themselves. My mans in them put all their bros before all their hoes and yet still are oddly homophobic. Spend all their time manning up. Never got to be boys. Lost their virginities at 12, but swear they are not abused. My mans in them use fucking as a political tool. It is one of the only ways they have ever known how to exercise power. My mans in them pull out game strong. But there, that baby ain't got my eyes game even stronger. My man, they are school of hard knock, GED, jail, GED, Lincoln Tech trained, magna cum laude, PhD, but can't read between the lines. Wrinkled in a woman's brow, she politely declines their advances. No, no, no. My man's in them want to know if your man allow you to have friends. Can he handle competition? And when all else fails, my man's in them got a million reasons loaded in the chamber why they ain't like your ass anyway. My man's in them love mm. pussy. Hate women. Especially the black ones. My man's in them dream of running away to where the grass is blonder. And long gone are the mm. women who house them like organs, who mourn them and crown them and raise them from the dead. My man's in them are self-healing, lick wounds with forked tongues and spit a swisher better than Moses can part the Red Sea. Better than social services can split up their families. My man's in them head of household at age 13. Same age they learned magic, how to make a dime bag disappear with the slap of a five. 
Same Aze learned alchemy, untucked the steel and turned it into a stranger's gold, run pockets the way white men run stock markets, live in a shoebox economy, 401k plan hidden beneath the sealy posturepedic. My man's in them is beautiful, but can't feel it. Only smile for the mortician, only cry at funerals. And every time they decide to breathe, my man's in them don't know no better. Yet I do. I never checked them, never showed them better. And I am beginning to wonder exactly what that says about me. Hmm. Oh. Thank you, Rishi. <laughs> I have to take a moment after that because no, um, <laughs> as a storyteller, you know, I'm there. I'm there, you know, with these men. And, and I thank you for your honesty, for your vulnerability, for your work, um, for sitting here with me today and having this conversation is a part of the work that I do, um, which is to make education about self and about business and about love um, more accessible. And I do that through free podcasts. So y'all can share this podcast with your mans and them, your homies. Um, and Rashid, how can they re- how can people reach out to you and find out more about the work you do? Um, yeah, I'm on all of the socials. Um, you can just type my name in Rashid Copeland, um, R-A-S-H-E-E-D, Copeland, C-O-P-E-L-A-N-D. If you want the quicker route, most of my handles on Twitter and Instagram are Sheed Emilio, S-H-E-E-D-E-M-I-L-I-O. Um, again, my work is very organic in a way that, um, you know, it's just me existing out loud, me learning out loud, um, so to speak. Um, and so, yeah, it's all there. It's all Twitter. You know, it's there. Just there being. <laughs> so, y'all make sure you search for Rashid. Follow Rashid on Instagram. And Rashid, I saw that you were doing a book giveaway um, for The Will to Change by Bell Hooks. Um, I would love to for Hazel's Higher Learning to contribute five copies um, to that giveaway. Should people just That's reach out to you? Wonderful. Yeah, happy to do it. Yeah. Um, So they can just find you on Instagram and Twitter for those? Yes. Okay. So you all message Rashid. I'll make sure um, the books get to Rashid in DC. Um, Thank you. Thank you again. And um, thank you all for tuning into Hayes' Higher Learning. The song of the week I thought was appropriate for the conversation is Pink Matter by Frank Ocean. Yeah, yeah. Um, and thank you so much for tuning in to Hazes Higher Learning, where together we are learning better, doing better, and being better. I'll see you all next week. Bye.